Too often, life and its hardships can feel like a maze. You can feel like you've fallen into this giant, unknown space with twists and turns, and you know you want to get to the end, but you don't know how to get there. And in all your efforts to try to find a way, you can hit dead ends, you can hit missteps, and you can feel like the maze never ends. And when you're in that place, it can become frustrating. You could feel a severe lack of peace. But that's not the place that we find our guest, Andrea. Andrea has experienced some hard things, including frightening surgeries of her young child and even a near-death experience. But you will hear in her voice and in her laughter that she has found a peace that defies understanding. What started out as her response to my intro prompt ended up being an interesting theme, this idea of how we navigate the maze of life. And Andrea's approach will encourage you. You're listening to episode 103 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for this opportunity this morning for Andrea and I just to connect. And we don't know what you have in store, but we really believe that you have worked and can work in this conversation. So we pray that you would guide our words, guide our thoughts, and take this where it needs to go. And we look forward to seeing what you have in store. As we pray in most holy and precious name, amen. Well, Andrea, I'm just so glad that we're able to talk this morning and looking forward to our conversation. And before we jump in, one thing that I do with all my guests is I want to find a fun and brief way for the guests to share who they are. And the fun part comes in that I make it like a little improv game where I come up with a random prompt Mm -hmm. and that's what you use to share who you are. Okay. Here's what it is. I have young kids. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, they'll get a gift for a birthday or Christmas. That's some toy that I've never seen before. So for example, my son has one called the Turing Tumble and you build a marble powered computer. So strange thing. So let's say that my kids come home, someone's given them a gift and it's the Andrea Adventure Set. Mm-hmm. This toy is some kind of adventure game that they can play based on you and your life. Mm-hmm. And on the back, I'm reading the description and it talks about who you are, the person that inspired the game. So what does the back of the Andrea adventure game say about you? A human who got stuck inside the maze of a heart and found her way out through the help of light. The funny part is she can never get out of her heart but she can get from one place to another anytime because now she knows how. I like it. (laughs) I want to play the game. It sounds fun. There's a maze involved. There's light involved. It's good. You want to know more about it? I do want to know more about it. So here's what I'm thinking. I want to jump right in. And we've only talked briefly Mm -hmm. on Podmatch. And so I know little bits and pieces about your life. Yeah. But what you know is I'm in the midst of this season on healing and you know your story. And so when you've been thinking about all this, what has God been putting on your heart around this idea when you think of your life and the idea of healing? I remember now all the ways I've seen God through life. You know, we as children, we hear stories. This is how it starts with hearing a story about God. For me, There is no healing without God or divine, how I call it sometimes, just to fit everybody in. (laughs) It has always been there. 
for me, it's in the people, it's in the voices, it's it's in a conversation that I'm having with Paul right now. It is in the eyes of every child in the whole wild world. It's everywhere, and I would not have had this resilience that I have, the resourcefulness, the life, the people around me, if it weren't for the healing that came in my life, which for me is God. Yeah. You know, one thing I really love about what you just shared is a lot of times when people are in a hard situation, maybe they've learned of a disease or had an accident or are wrestling through something with mental health. When they think of healing, usually it's one specific thing, a treatment or a surgery or some singular solution. And one thing that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting is that healing can exist beyond that, like all around us in, in a conversation, that healing can come from a conversation with a friend. That healing can come from just seeing a smile on somebody's face. And it sounds simple and it sounds small, but I think we underestimate what healing is, what healing can be, and what healing needs to be for us. Mm -hmm. So what I know about you and your story is there's a lot of moments where healing has been needed. So tell me about some of those. The first scene that came to mind when you were speaking And forgive me, it doesn't mean that I'm not active listening. It just means that my heart is speaking and showing me what needs to be said. This is how I have a conversation with God, by the way. When somebody talks or something happens, I see images in my heart. My mind recognizes them and keeps them there. And if it's the right time, I'm going to share. So the first scene that came was when... You will Maybe you'll see me emotional from time to time. This is a hard moment. It was... The first surgery that my now 13-year-old had, he was three months and a half. And it was the first time I was in a hospital with my child and learning that you can have surgery on a child even smaller than that. The only thing I knew to help me was to pray. It was a traumatic event for my child, a traumatic event for me and my then-husband. Any surgery, especially on children who don't know what's going on with them, who cannot say no to anything, these are very uh, traumatic events. So there was a huge need of healing. You know, it's not like you have, I don't know, a medication or anything. You put it on your wound and it's gone. Those kind of experiences keep being wounds until life. And when I say life, I say anything conversations, therapies, going outside and play 99% of the time while 1% of the time you're in surgeries, you know, whatever that means, healing takes may take a whole life. So the prayer helped me have faith. The prayer helped me have faith in the doctors. I pray that they have golden hands. This is what we do in Romania. We say that good doctors have golden hands. I pray that their hearts are connected and they have a good heart and their hands are golden and my child feels safe and I would imagine angels around him, whatever I needed so my mind can stand still, my heart can stay inside and not jump, (laughs) something to get me through the experience so that when my son comes out, I can be the mother he wants me to be. And I've had moments like that many times, but you know, the second time, the second surgery and all that, he had about seven, eight surgeries for his brain. I got used to it. So the healing, let's say, came faster, having the peace, knowing what happens after. The first time it was hard. 
that's one moment. The other moment that comes to mind is when I was in a toxic relationship and I know the audience cannot see me, but I'm smiling and I'm smiling because it is those situations where you're on the edge between life and death. It's a horrible experience that takes you to an extraordinary one. And that's a near death experience that I had while I was in a toxic relationship. So somebody I was with back then, he had a nervous breakdown. He was a person with a lot of emotional and mental issues in the moment. The frustration got to anger so much so that his mind was worry, And he wanted to kill me and then kill himself. So what he did in the moment is strangle me and I lost consciousness. The beauty part of it, and this is how I take it and how I'm healing when these things happen, is the beauty part of it. I saw darkness, you know, like wondering, where am I? What's going on? And then I saw some kind of light. I wouldn't say it's white, white. I wouldn't say it's pink. It was just a nuance of light, golden thing. And people have all sorts of experiences. Mine is, I saw a Buddha. Now, this is funny because... I am born Romanian Christian Orthodox. I was raised with a friend who is Pentecostal. I stayed among people who were Adventists, who were Baptists, you know, mm-hmm. and I was attracted to yoga and Taoism and other stuff. So I'm a 23 year old and you show me a Buddha <laughs> when I believe in God, not Buddha. Anyway, that was interesting. And I had more like a, a knowing, not a voice, a knowing. You got to go back. It was so peaceful and nice, but it was so lonely at the same time. Mm. So I liked it that I went back. That moment, it's interesting because the way it happened, you know, there's somebody who is hurting you. So you're a victim. But from that and the experience, I got out as a very empowered woman. Don't ask me how, because I don't know. I could stop that guy, the same guy, to use a knife, very big and long knife, kitchen knife, to kill me and himself. So I stopped him and then I pushed him towards the other wall. I don't think I could have ever done that. And there were moments, many, many moments, where as a mother, I had to take harsh choices and I had to put up with a lot in terms of people outside my family, sometimes even inside my family. There were hurtful experiences, humiliation and other stuff. And there is something you got to go through. So you need to support yourself with something while the experience is happening. And then after that, I had to process, who am I? Who is the person? If I did not have the faith in God, if I did not have all these experiences where I felt protected, loved, and there is something and somebody out there who really, really cares for me. And no matter what happens, I'm not alone. I'm going to be fine. And I'm saying it because I have to admit, I had one experience where I was four or five years old that actually led me to keep this space, which is, it was a presence inside my room, a presence of light. It seemed more like Jesus, depends on how we portray Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's more in the feeling you get when you are around a person like Jesus. So let's say what we could imagine it would be like to be with Jesus, which is infinite love, yeah. infinite protection, infinite peace, and infinite security. That feeling, that 
in less than a blink of an eye you have when you are held in God's heart. That's the way I can explain it. I literally was called as a child without words to come into the middle of my room where there was a presence. You could say angel, you could say Jesus, I don't know. For me, it was a presence of light who seemed like an angel, although he didn't have wings. was more like a presence of Jesus. And when call me inside where that being was, just imagine yourself inside of a beautiful room, I don't know. Went inside, everything that was physical disappeared, and all I saw was light. And that blink of an eye where everything disappeared, that was this amazing feeling that I took in inside myself, inside my body, my DNA. Infinite love, infinite peace, infinite security, and the feeling that I am never, ever going to be alone. So this was the rock in my life, one big rock, maybe the rock for my healing and everything that I went through and I could be resilient. Plus, all the people around me that I met who share their stories or whom I witnessed going through traumatic experiences, I've learned through all of them. They taught me resilience and healing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those stories. And they're intense stories, right? We're talking about yeah. near-death experiences. We're talking about someone trying to kill you and themselves. We're talking about a young, tiny child needing to have brain surgery. Yes. And here's what really strikes me about your stories. You know, you're earlier you apologize. You're like, I'm listening, but sometimes God brings things to my mind. And I'm the same way. For me, it's not images, but sometimes there just be a thought or a question or something that's just it feels different. Like there's a weight to it that I'm like, all right, I feel like I'm supposed to put this out there. But yeah. the thought that really stood out, it came when you were sharing the story about nearly being killed. You know, you mentioned that you're smiling and you're even laughing a little bit as you share it. And I can understand why, because on this end of it, I know how the story goes, but I yeah. imagine that could be jarring for someone like, wait, that's a horrible thing that she's sharing. Why is she <laughs> laughing? The verse that came to my mind as you shared that story and as I'm hearing these other stories is Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the reason that it stood out to me is what you're describing is a peace, is a way of existing that does not make sense. That when a child is having multiple brain surgeries, human logic would say, you should be miserable and fearful and anxious. When somebody is strangling you or coming at you with a knife, you should be fearful or angry or and all these things. And that's not to say that you weren't feeling pieces of this, but the big thing that you were feeling in these spaces or the big thing that God was growing in you was this sense of peace that didn't make sense. And this story about experiencing this light, it was more than just light. It helped you to understand utter love and utter presence. It was almost like God was giving you this glimpse into what actual reality is. When we think about eternity, when you read, you know, the end of Revelation and it's talking about there's no more tears and no more pain, like we can't imagine a world like that because we've never experienced a world like that. Exactly. The world we know, there's a lot of pain, but God knows that the actual reality, what he created us for, the abundantly more that he created us for is something so powerfully and wonderfully intense that the best we can understand it is like what you experience. It's just everything is light. <laughs> like, whoa, what is this? And when God gives us a glimpse of the depth of his love, the depth of his power, the depth of his presence, 
Then when we go into these life situations that should destroy us, we suddenly find this peace that defies understanding. Yes, I know this is horrible. And yet somehow I know that this isn't the end. I would like to add that if we remember Jesus and his words, which you have to know, I haven't read all the entire Bible. I just have clung on to what really resonated with me and what kept me moving forward, which is this Jesus who told us, forgive your enemies, forgive your enemies, turn the other cheek, they give you a slap, turn it so they see if they give you another, which I'm telling you, it does and it does not happen also to give you the other one. They are shocked when you turn the other one. Some people do that. I have learned through all these experiences and I'm guiding people to understand that too, that he was right. There is always a way and forgiveness is the best thing we can do. And it starts with forgiving ourselves. I have yet to see an experience where there is absolutely no understanding of why things happen that way. And I have yet to see in my own life a horrible experience where I did not see the light, where I did not see myself become more empowered, wiser, better as a human, as a mother, as a wife, as a friend. I don't know. There was absolutely always, always something, no matter how small, that I took from anything that happened, including the most horrible thing for somebody to be so blind that they are able to take your life. Mm -hmm. This is one thing that stood out for me from these experiences. And it was not the only one where I was at the limit between life and death. I put myself in danger many times, but in that particular experience, I asked myself why, why I didn't die, why the strangle was not strong enough and not long enough to kill me. Just like I could be alive, I could be dead, right? Mm -hmm. The question was why? And it took me about 20 years or less mm. to understand the why. The why is right this moment, this beautiful conversation between you and I. This is parts of the why. And other experiences where I wondered, was there an angel with me? When I was young, about four years old, I was playing with a ball and the ball got in the street. Mm. And as a child, I just ran to take it and there was a car coming and the guy stopped, shocked. He took me back home, my parents. I was in shock and also in awe <laughs> for me, I was just a child. Then 15 years later or less, I want to cross the street, the same street, by the way, which is funny. Mm. I want to cross the street. I don't see a car is coming. There was actually no car, but all of a sudden this person comes driving very fast and they don't stop. They don't stop at the crossing. I was halfway through. They cross right above my toes. Mm. So I was less than an inch away from my feet being crushed. Wow. And I never forgot. I was like, that is not human. I mean, this is not possible to be so close and not, this has to be an intervention. I never saw it. Like there was not like, oh, I could see an angel stopping the car or mm -hmm. stopping me. But I felt like I was stuck in there while the car was passing by. And then I'm like, what just happened? Then I realized I saw the wheel right in front of me. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, and also gracefully, there were more moments like that 
because I am a challenger and I love to put myself into dangerous situations. So I took advantage <laughs> of uh, this relationship with God and angels. I put myself in multiple situations over time. And I'm telling you, no matter how crazy I was, no matter what I chose to do, it was like the harsh consequence was millimeters away, millimeters away, you know. Like that guy with the strangling, there was another guy that I was with so close, he could not touch me. Mm. He had his instructions in his mind right there. He could not touch me. That was fantastic. And it's amazing. It's amazing. And this is just because I pushed the limit. But there were more and more and more experiences, beautiful ones this time, where I would be on a train alone or with my children, and I would get in a conversation with somebody and I'm looking into their eyes and I'm listening their reaction. And they're like, oh my, I'm so glad I met you. <laughs> because they find out, you know, the adventure game that we started in the beginning. I love having conversations. I love traveling. I love meeting people wherever I am. I was on a bus. Nobody's talking on a bus usually. Everybody's looking here in Canada. Here is, is looking on the phone, right? Or simply just gazing. And there was a lady that said, oh, I appreciate that you're speaking with your children on the bus. And I'm like, mm, what's so different about that? And like, oh, people look on their phones. I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want to give them attention. So we started a conversation and actually I was given a chance to support somebody who I felt needed some love. Mm. And for 15 minutes or 10 minutes until, you know, the travel was, was over, there is another why, why I was alive and not dead in that moment when I was 23. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to think about this idea of why God intervenes, why God allows things to happen or why God protects us from things happening. And, you know, you even mentioned that an event 20 years ago, you can see this conversation being a part of why God worked in the way that he did. And as you were talking, it made me think of, I don't know why this is the thing that it made me think of, but it made me think of Moses and how scripture talks about God calling Moses to go and say, let my people go, right? But Moses had been in the midst of the people decades before. My thought was, well, it's interesting. God could have used Moses on that front end. And if God had used Moses then, then it would have saved the people decades of even worse labor because the labor got worse and worse and worse because of Pharaoh's anger with the people. And, you know, so God chose to work decades later. God chose to allow things to happen. And, you know, we can dive into all these reasons, but I think the bigger piece is God knows a lot more than we do. God knows who we are in ways that we don't. God knows what it is that he's inviting us into. God knows who we're going to sit next to on a bus. God knows all these things. And he's actually orchestrating things beyond us. Like I think of my life and what I need and what I want. And I'm not necessarily cognizant of especially people that I don't know yet, because there's no way for me to be. But God knows how these intersections, how these connections, how these conversations can do so much more for the wider understanding of creation beyond me. And we're invited into that. We are invited to step back and say, what's happening in my life isn't just for me, but God could be using it for someone else. And, you know, you said something else that was interesting, which was you can't think of any moment that God hasn't worked and used it for something abundantly more than you could have asked for or imagined. 
And the question I have is we can see these things on the back end when we see the whole story. And sometimes we get a glimpse of it in the midst. And I know in my life, there have been moments where I could look back and say, yes, God worked, God was present. But there were moments in the midst that I was like, this is so hard. I don't know what to do. Did you have moments like that where you weren't yet able to see it, but somehow you had the faith to say, and yet I'm going to keep on trusting and stepping? I have many of them. The most significant one for this conversation is when my mother died. I was 11 years old. We only had two months of being with her after finding out her diagnosis. She died in horrible pain. Well, she died in her sleep, not in horrible pain, but she went through horrible pain through those two months. There was rage, like most people have. There was a lot of sadness and grief. I actually kept the grief for 29 years until last year when I freed myself from it and I let myself cry. But in the first moment, I was shocked. I could not realize she died. I took it as something I gotten used to. I knew that time would come. So I just switched it in my mind. I covered up everything so I can feel that I'm strong enough to hold on without her. This was my first reaction because of my personality. Just so you know the backstory, when I heard my mother is sick and I realized she's going worse and worse and I knew intuitively, you can say it however you want from the heart, I knew it's worse and worse and I'm losing my mother because the light in her, the energy of that person, everything was fading away. So I started praying and I started praying continuously. There's a book of prayer from the Christian Orthodox Church and it was praying for the pain to be released whatever that means. And I knew it could mean she either heals some miracle or she dies. So I was ready for it. But when it happened, I was shocked. I just took it as a normal event. The same evening, I was speaking to my friends, nervous a bit, like angry and shoving it like, yeah, my mom died. So what? Mm. <laughs> I actually watched a movie, an actually very inappropriate movie. And then step-by-step, Things started coming and then the anger really, really came. And I asked God, why? Why did you take her, who was so amazing, a bright lady, a bright light? She inspired hundreds of people. Many, many people in Romania knew her. She really empowered. She really brought optimism. She changed people's lives. And her death changed it to the worst. There was no communication between people. My family could not be united on so many, so much stuff in there. And I did ask, why? Why did you take her? You know the question we ask ourselves? Why does God take the best and leaves the rest? Her brother was an alcoholic who beat his mom, which is my grandmother. You know, he was the worst example ever. He left him alive, made my grandmother suffer so much. I did blame God, but not blaming him and like, it's your fault. But asking him, why did you do that? doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. If it's for the best and highest interest of all, why is it in the best and highest interest of all for my mom to die? And in the same time, because this is your question, in the same time, something in me that I could not pinpoint, I could not say exactly what it was. Now I know it's called empowerment. <laughs> but back then... It was just a feeling. I knew that she died so I could be myself. <laughs> and maybe you and the listeners could be like, ah, oh, mm -hmm. Jesus, said, yeah, wait, wait, she died so you could be yourself. 
well, this is what I realized. She was everything. She was the umbrella I was living under. The moment she was gone, the umbrella, the pillar of my life was gone. I had to be my own umbrella. I had to be my own protection. I had to be my own pillar. I had nobody. She was the one who kept everybody in her heart. I had to be the one to take her place. So I understood over time and things started to appear. And I realized that a single death, which was a very traumatic experience for all involved, especially the loved ones, actually gave everybody the opportunity to see what it's like to take responsibility for their life beyond their own and find the rock within themselves. And when you spoke, it reminded me of Nero, the emperor, and the martyrs. And I'm sure many of us, knowing these stories, asked ourselves, why God? They believed in you. They had faith in you. You could have saved them. You could have intervened and make a miracle. You have that power. We don't. Why did you let them die so horribly? And one thought that came after learning how these experiences or these stories helped me is so that you, after 2,000 years, hold on to your faith and know those people did not die in vain. Know that if ever the exact same thing happens to you, just like they kept their faith till the last moment and they did not die and that horrible pain, maybe the pain was not as horrible as it could have been. If you go through traumatic experiences wherever you are, just hold on to that faith because I'm going to be there with you, I promise. For me, this is one of the reasons I can excuse God <laughs> for not helping uh, anybody who went through horrible situations. Viktor Frankl, for me, is the, not the best example, but is one of the people that I learned from in the modern times that no matter what happens to you, there is always a way. It could be through life or through death, but there is always a way. Just like I knew in my mom's case, there is relief. We just don't know which way. Live or die. All these stories from books, from martyrs, from friends, from anybody that I meet, anybody I, I can hear, all these stories for me show me the same thing. Keep the faith, there is always a way, everything is possible. Keep the faith, there is always a way, everything is possible. And to add to what you said, yes, there is something in the best and highest sense, first of all, and we don't know what well, we don't know because we don't have the big picture. We don't have the details. Like you said, we don't know whom we're going to meet tomorrow, what we're going to see, what information is going to help us or other people. We don't know. There's two things that really stood out in what you shared, and both of them are captured in this idea of understanding things in a holistic way. And so the first thing is, I really appreciate your transparency in sharing about your reaction to your mother's death. And specifically, you mentioned that there is a grief that you actually held on to until last year when you finally let yourself cry. And the reason I appreciated that so much is if somebody stopped this episode after your first story, mm -hmm. you know, my child at a very, very young age, so, so tiny, had to have brain surgery and then had to have multiple surgeries. But I prayed and I knew God could work and there's this peace. Somebody could come away thinking, well, that's great that she has so much peace and confidence that God can work and can face her child needing brain surgery with a smile on her face. That, that's great that she can smile when nearly being murdered. But I 
I can't do that because I'm sad right now. I'm scared right now. And what I love about your transparency is, yes, you did experience peace in the midst of your child's journey. Yes, you are able to recognize how God empowered you through nearly being killed. But also, you were still holding on to grief until last year. And you are still on journey. And I love that you share that because what it shows is that we don't need to put people on pedestals, right? Like we need to actually listen to people and hear their stories and see the holistic picture of what their journey is. And you have had moments of knowing God with the confidence and you have had moments in the midst of that of still God teaching you who he is. And you will still have those. There will still be moments in your life where you will look back and say, this was one of the stories where at the moment I didn't understand it or I was angry or I was, but then I kept walking. I love that piece. The other thing that I really love is on a broader sense of things being holistic, the loss of your mother taught you that you couldn't just stay in the background and let her be the thing that's propping you up. And God was inviting you to stand up and step out. And somebody could hear just that story and say, oh, life is all about independence. I just become self-sufficient and I'm on my own and that's it. But we also have heard many stories from you of how God invited you to a communal interaction, whether it's as a mother to your child, yes, <laughs> right? And being in that place of caring and love when your child couldn't, or as simple as prompting someone to have a conversation on a bus. And so there's this interesting thing that we can't just take one story and say, oh, the end of the story is self-preservation. No, it's, yes, God is inviting us to not stay in the background because even Jesus didn't do a broad sweep of everyone come follow me. He went to specific people. He said, Peter, come follow me. Yeah. <laughs> Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, right? Jesus did pinpoint specific people, but then he also said, now you all go. And so I love that your stories capture this, this idea of we have simultaneously the invitation to know who God is calling us to be individually, while also knowing that God is calling us to function as a body, as community. When you think about all of this and what you've experienced, you know, you still have life ahead of you. So how do you understand the future knowing what you know? I see everything as relationships. Right now, you and I are talking about my relationship with God and your relationship with God. I have a relationship with God while living in a community, in a family, raising children, having a husband, and learning, continuous learning. And relationship means observing yourself, observing the other, observing what happened, listening to yourself, listening to the other, finding ways for things to happen and the best and highest interest of all involved. Everything for me leads to a vision for the world, which I believe is the vision that is shown to us every day more and more, which is there is unity in diversity. There can be harmony no matter what. We are all here for a reason. Each of us is precious and we can all contribute so that the peace, the unconditional love, the forgiveness, the kingdom, everything that was promised through scriptures and everything that people experience through experiences like mine or in any other way becomes reality, our reality, the reality for all of us in the world. This is not a one man or one woman or one individual show. We as humans are born to help each other, be with each other. And like you said, 
sometimes we need to become the empowered ones, the leaders in our lives, and those who can guide others around them who cannot find that and make it through. Other times, like it happens to me in the relationship with my husband and other people, you are the one listening, you are the one who is led, or you are the one who is at the same level and you're building a leadership together with somebody, one or more people, and you're taking action towards something that you want to build together. Sometimes it could be a child who is in the moment actually wiser than you. Mm-hmm. And giving you a golden nugget that leaves you gobsmacked. And then you're like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) New generation. There you go. They know more than us. They come with innocence. Life is a maze. We don't know what comes at the corner. You know, where's the corner? Where's the door? Where's the doorway? Where's the... We don't know. And yet, if we keep moving through the pain, through the darkness, through the blurriness, and we ask, praying or not, what we ask, it's going to come. The answers come, come through people, come through circumstances. There is one way we can always find an answer. We just need to ask. If you're asking, oh, the answer always comes in any way you need, any way you need, and trust that. And if I may, there is one particular instance that came to mind when, when you spoke, which is a story from my friend, Roxanne Schuller. She is a minister of the Brookmont Interface Church. And she shared one day when we were getting ready to pray for a young man who was shot in the head. And she said, let's not pray for his healing. Let's pray like I've learned from a rabbi, and I think it's Rabbi Mark Margolis, to pray so that God makes whatever it's in the best and highest interest of the person to happen. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know how that person's life is going to be if the miracle happens. And with a bullet in their head, they will stay alive. And we don't know what happens if they die. But God knows. God knows what's in the best and highest interest of the person. We have seen miracles. The question that came one time was, I think, 100 years ago or something, it was a situation where the leader of a family was very, very sick. He was battling, fighting death. And the family started praying for his healing, you know, please God and help him heal. And the doctor looked at them and said, are you sure? I'm paraphrasing. Are you sure you want to pray for that? Do you know what it means for him in his situation because of his illness and the side effects to stay alive? He might be a vegetable all his life. Is this what you really want? Please ask God what is the, in the best and highest interest of that person because God knows best and whatever it's going to be, take it. Whatever it's going to come, just take it as is. God knows best. This is the lesson that I've learned and I've been taking with me. Like you say, there's so much we don't know, but God knows, has the big picture. So I just pass it on to God. I say, I don't say your fault. I say, I'm going to give it to you because you know best. All I do is I feel the need to pray because the more we pray and we ask, guide us so we can all be together, unity and diversity and in harmony the more many of us, not just me or you or some of the listeners, maybe all the listeners, but the whole wide world will be able to feel deep within and in their life that peace, the healing, the love, even if it's not joy, but it's just the support that is there through life, through God. I resonate with the idea of being aware of what we're praying for, particular around healing, because that's something that I've thought about as well many times over the last few years is 
there have been moments where people were praying that somebody would be healed in a specific way. And I would just feel just the sense of, I don't know if that's the right prayer right now. And even on a functional level, there may be a physical healing that people are desiring to happen. But sometimes I would think there might be an emotional healing that God's actually working on, a spiritual healing that God's actually working on. And so I don't want to limit God by saying, but God, fix this thing that I can see, fix this thing that I want changed. I love, too, that you keep bringing up this idea of the maze, because the truth is, one, God made the maze, right? So it makes sense that we would ask him about it (laughs) when we're going through. But then we can get frustrated. We could say, well, I tried to ask God. He can see the maze. And I tried to ask him whether I should turn left or right. And he didn't tell me. And I turned left and it's a dead end, right? But to your point, we don't know why it is that God might have invited us to go to that dead end. Yes. You know, maybe there is something we needed to break within us around pride. Yes. And this allowed us to step into humility. Or maybe along the way, we ran into someone else and it turns out we were the answer to their prayer because they had given up trying. And suddenly someone else came by, well, hey, here, let's go together, right? So it's like, we don't actually know what needs to happen, but Then my mind started to take it even further because the question some people would then ask is, God just seems cruel. Why would he even make the maze in the first place? Why wouldn't he just make it a straight path? And I think the problem is, is that it comes down to our understanding, right? Because when we look at a maze as people, here is how we understand it. A maze is filled with false directions and traps, and we have to get from start to finish, and we have to find the right path. That pressure is just with us all the time, right? Which school am I going to go to? Which job am I going to have? Who am I going to? I've got to find the right school, the right job, the right person, the right home. Mm -hmm. And we feel this pressure in ourselves and it can be a spiritual pressure as well. God, tell me the right thing to do, the right thing to do, the right (laughs) thing to do. And what if God is saying, you're looking at the maze all wrong? Yes, I know there are twists and turns and dead ends, but The goal isn't for you to stress about finding the exact right path and never making a misstep. I've invited you just to walk in the maze until I invite you to leave the maze. There's this uh, activity that I remember doing as a kid where they blindfolded us and took us to a park. And in the park, they had wrapped string around a bunch of trees. Mm -hmm. And they said, your goal is to get out of this string maze. And so they put your hand on the string and then you're just feeling the string and following it around and you keep feeling it, trying to get to the end. Mm -hmm. Well, what we didn't know is there was no end. (laughs) It just looped around, it crisscrossed and all that. And so you end up going around in these same places. And what they did tell us is at any point, if you need help, just ask for help. Little by little, eventually people would begin to realize, I just, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. And they would raise their hand. And what the rest of us that were blindfolded didn't know is the moment you raise your hand, someone would come, take off your blindfold, put their finger up to their mouth to tell you to stay quiet and take you off. And then you would just watch everyone else. (laughs) Some people might start to pick up on it and say, oh, this is an activity they're trying to teach us about. It's okay to ask for help. But you'd always have a few people that pride kept them going. I'm going to figure this maze out. I'm going to solve this maze. And they just Mm -hmm. keep on and going and going. And we can do that in life. We can say, I'm going to figure, I have to figure, I'm going to get through, or we can just give up. But God is saying, I've invited you into this space. I know it seems unfair because a maze seems unfair, but if you don't have to solve it, if you don't have to get it right, then you don't have to stress when you hit a dead end Exactly, because it's okay. Yeah. Because I see you in the maze. I see the maze, but I see you in the maze. I will never let you get totally lost or destroyed. And so just trust me, keep on walking 
you know, that's the passage that I read earlier comes right back into this where it says in verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I love this journey you've taken us on here that yes, life can feel like an unfair maze, but what you've demonstrated is we have the capability of entering into these hard, unjust, scary situations, knowing that there is a God who loves us, who sees us and who can carry us through or take us out of the maze. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, he knows what he's doing. Two things stood out for me this time uh, when you spoke. The first one is when you read the verse, it says Thanksgiving, mm. which for me translates into gratitude. Yeah. This is the main thing that I've noticed in my life. And just to set things straight, those of you listening, please know that I have felt all the range of emotions that normal people feel in any traumatic experience, any circumstance. Mm -hmm. I am laughing now while sharing because I am on the other side and I see what happened. I am healed. But I do remember everything that happened and it is horrible. Everything is horrible. The second thing is gratitude is the thing that helps us not give up, not give in, but let go. And that's the idea with being in this maze called life, learning to let go, being there with gratitude and letting God's life guide us through and showing us what it means and why or what it meant. There was always a why. And the third thing I said too, but it's free. <laughs> Bonus. The third thing is, I want to say it in a way that we can all take it in. God is joy. The reason why to me, we hear so much Jesus and, you know, people talking about being like a child is that in a way, I know God is this big, huge, you know, infinite thing. In the same time, God has joy. It's not like God is having fun with us and we are pawns in God's hands. Like people say, oh, there's a director directing this theatrical stuff and we are pawns and actors and we do what God wants and all that. No, it's not true. The invitation that I feel here in our conversation and in my life is to make it a journey where we do the best we can to see life through the eyes of a child with innocence and curiosity without knowing all the answers. We may never know all the answers. We cannot know all the answers. We're not God. What we can know is what it means to us and what it means to the people around us, what it means to the guests we have on our show, what it means to members of our family, you know, what it means through some of us, not to some of us, through some of us, because everything that happens is touching us in some way. It's giving us something, some wisdom, some insights. And like you said, is challenging our character and personality, our ego, whatever needs to be shaken a bit mm -hmm. or maybe crushed so that we find our rightful place in the world. That which is not inferior or superior to one another, that which is what it is in God's eyes and it's going to show us the true meaning of life and why we are humans. Like you said, for me, the journey continues, I think for all of us, and the journey is just discovering who you are, why you're here, what's your role, and thinking that you will never have a definite answer, you will never find it, or you will discover pieces of the puzzle. And one day when you're going to face the light, 
you will know hmm. because that's the moment when it shows you. Yeah. Well, as we close up, I have two final questions and they're simple. Mm -hmm. The first one is if people wanted to connect with you or what you're doing, what is the best way for them to do so? I don't want to put myself first because I really appreciate your work and everybody's work with this podcast. So before I say about me and how people can find me, I invite those listening to pause this audio and give you a review and say what touched them in our conversation and in what you do so we can pay it forward. So other people find out what they can find here and listen, because even a smile can save a life. Just like a conversation can mean a lot to some. And I can be found at andreapetrut.ca, Petrut with P-E-T-R-U-T. I offer 20-minute free conversations, helping people how to find clarity and move forward. So you can get in a conversation with me at least one thing that you can do in your life to make the change you need. I appreciate that. That was great. And then the second question is, is there anything else on your heart that you want to share before we go? My message to you, Paul, and everybody listening is we are loved. We are loved so much so that even if we don't see it, even if we don't feel it, even if we are not aware of it while it's happening, we are loved unconditionally. And if we allow ourselves to see it, that's when the big transformation happens in our hearts. And that's when we will know that the vision that I mentioned 10, 20 minutes ago is possible because we can only share, make happen. That's something that we feel in our hearts. Until we feel it in our hearts, it's not possible. We will be able to forgive when we can forgive ourselves. We will be able to love when we love ourselves. We will be able to show compassion to others when we first show it for ourselves. And the same thing with everything, friendship, anything that's beautiful, any virtue, any value, anything. First, it starts with us and feeling it inside us and for us. And this is not about being selfish. This is about being aware of the gift you are and the gifts you have from God. Some of the most popular verses in this series fit really well with Andrea's message, such as Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Or Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will set your paths straight. This idea of a maze kept threading its way throughout this conversation. And in a maze, your paths do not feel straight. And I wanted to come back to this idea of the maze again because it really struck me that our understanding of the maze of life will shape how we experience it. Again, when we look at a maze on a paper, we feel a pressure to have to solve it, to find the right answer, to get to the end, to avoid the missteps, to avoid the dead ends. And in life, 
we feel a pressure to find our way through, to get to our destination, to avoid all missteps and hardships and mistakes. And when we hit a wall, when we don't end up where we think we're supposed to be, we lose peace. We doubt God. We doubt ourselves. And we can get mad at God for throwing us into the maze, for not freeing us from the maze, or for creating the maze in the first place. But as we discussed in the episode, what if God is looking at us and saying, you're looking at this all wrong. I never told you to be anxious about getting from start to end. I never told you to feel pressure about finding the right way. I never even told you to avoid the dead ends. What if this maze is actually an invitation for you simply to walk with me and to walk with others, regardless of where you end up? What if the purpose of our lives isn't to find the exact path we're supposed to go on, to avoid all dead ends and missteps? What if the purpose is instead what Jesus said it was, to love God and to love others, to not be anxious about anything, but through prayer and thanksgiving, to give it to God and be thankful for whatever happens next, to be content in any and every situation, Hardships can take a lot out of us, but what if we learned to reshape our perspective, to make the goal no longer to get to the destination, to avoid the missteps and dead ends, and instead to say, in the midst of this, I will be with God. In the midst of this, I will love him and I will love others. And I will trust that no matter what happens, he has me and he loves me. How might things change if our perspective shifted to something like that? So whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you to walk through that maze knowing that God walks with you. So whatever twists, turns, and dead ends you hit on the way ahead, you can stop and ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation, but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what Revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free. Get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money. 
but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?